Hi, friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and we have a super special guest here today that I'm very excited to talk about, uh, talk to. Uh, where I'm here with Jamie Wallace. How are you, Jamie? Hey, Greg, you can talk about me as much as you like, and, uh, and I'll talk with you as well. So, uh, talk so, about. Yeah, you're right. You caught that slip. You're laughing. <laughs> it's super it. great to be with you. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it's really great to see you. So uh, today is uh, is a special day because it is technically uh, Jamie's <laughs> last day with us. He uh, he has announced his retirement and um, grades are technically due today, although Jamie was telling me he's already posted his. Yep. Um, a- as usual, ahead of schedule. So I, I love that. That's great. Um, I- I'm still waiting on a couple of uh, a couple of straggling interns, but um, but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get their paperwork in. But um, but we're I- I- I'm excited. You know, Jamie Jamie has um, has been a lecturer with us for um, the last uh, a little nine old, academic years. Nine years, yeah, nine years, right, Jamie? Yeah, nine academic years. I came in with Jen and. Uh, uh, Dr. Lynn. Exactly. So started in August of 2014. And so nine academic years. And um, and that was after an illustrious career in hospitality. And so we're gonna oh, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna talk to Jamie about some of those experiences and, and whatnot. But um let's uh let's go back in time first, Jamie, and sure. let the let our guest uh let our listeners um learn a little bit more about you. Um, Tell us where where you grew up. Well, where I grew up is pretty fascinating, I think. And I know we've talked and, you know, you're in North Carolina. I grew up in Northern Virginia and um, I literally grew up 10 miles from the White House. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this will date me a little bit because I I grew up during the 60s and 70s in Northern Virginia. Right. Washington, D.C. was my playground, basically, and and where we went to town for everything. Very fortunate, you know, with all the museums and sports teams, et cetera. Yeah, uh, as part of it. But at the same time, you know, the industry there in Washington, D.C., it's government. Yeah. And both my parents work for the government. My dad worked for the CIA. And uh, and it was just fascinating time during that that era of the 60s and 70s. Uh, there are all sorts of things going on as there is today, but uh, Washington D.C. is a cool place, and um, yeah, yeah I'm, very, I'm very fortunate to have been raised in that environment. Yeah, you know, I um, every time I, I've been to, to the Washington D.C. area, I'm just amazed by um, how much culture and 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 what a what a rich um surrounding area it is you know you 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 see and meet so many different people from so many different parts of the world and people kind of wonder like well why is that well you got to think about it like there's embassies like um every embassy from all over the world is there right and so they all inject their own cultural um cultural uh beauty into the mix of what makes this country so great right and um, the, the old saying is is, you know, people in the government come and go. It's the industry. Yeah. But the people who live there, Washington, D.C. is really a sleepy southern town that happens to have the government. Yeah. And yeah. it's a, you know, you go south of where I grew up and it is the south. Uh-huh. And you know the south, all of the plantations, course. the Civil War battlefields. 
Yeah. Well, with Virginia, you had the layer of Revolutionary War, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I went to undergraduate school in Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech is way down there in the Appalachians in Southwest yeah. Virginia. And that's a, yeah. so going, going to school was like, wow, it's a different culture and country down there than it oh, is of course. Yeah. Virginia. Yeah. And it's literally five hour drive. So, right, right. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful country there in Blacksburg, but definitely, um, definitely a little more country than, uh, than, yeah. than the big city <laughs> of, uh, of Washington, D.C. So you, you, uh, you whispered to us that your dad was CIA. Like, sure. uh, when did you find that out? I guess when he, retired. oh, you know, you know, when you're a young kid, what do you do, dad? What do you, you know, what, what do you do? And, uh-huh. Um, I work for the government. Just tell everybody I work for the government. And that's yeah. that was the modem. And I still to this day go, I cringe and go, oh, did I really, you know, should I say that? Right. Well, you know, my dad's passed away, but still, you know, it's ingrained in you. Yeah. But, you know, other kids, you know, their dads work for the State Department or, you know, defense right. or, you know, whatever the case may be, that's the industry there. Right. And uh, but he was a systems analyst and. Um, okay. Very much, and I think that's why I like bringing math into the classroom, because my dad was a math major. He was one of the early adopters of um, uh, the computers. You know, he would go and spend time, they call it time sharing, in these massive rooms with these big wheels, you know, and of computer things and data and all that. Right. He was a systems analyst and, uh, and very much a computer nerd in the sense of those times. Right, right. Wow, wow. I can't even imagine some of the things he's uh, <laughs> he got to see and work on and all of that. I'm so fascinated by the CIA and and everything. And uh, you know, we, we oh, have... I've been inside the CIA. I mean, I've been there several times, and of course, there's places where you can't go. Of course, it's always crazy when I see these movies, and I go, "Oh yeah, I've been in there. I know that." <laughs> yeah, oh, really? That's so wild. That is so wild. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I like this. I'm, I'm into the spy thrillers myself, so, uh, so that's really cool to hear. What about what about your mom? What did what did your mom do? She actually um, was a, a stellar typist uh, during her day, um, and that was her skill. And yeah, for those that. <laughs> that understand typing yeah manual typing you couldn't make mistakes uh there's no such thing as white out there you you had to rip it up and start over again yeah and so to be a good typist to have the speed of a typist where you didn't you know make mistakes was a valued talent and skill Um, and she actually (laughs) yeah she actually got a job at the cia too oh and then my sister, <laughs> my sister's summer job. Oh yeah, you can work with the CIA too. And they come on down. <laughs> well, you know, they they asked me, and I went, you know, no, I, I'm a hippie. I don't want to go. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> summer of love. You were uh, yeah. you were like, no, thank you. I hear you. I you long haired hippie freak. You know. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course. I love it. Well, I actually was going to ask you there. I mean, that's um. You, you grew up uh, uh, during, uh, you know, such an, an interesting time in our country, oh, yeah. you know, with the Vietnam War and and protests and and um, and, the peace and, marches, and, et cetera. 
Yeah, yeah and 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 the rise of a uh, rise of um that American civil rock roll, yeah, and civil rights and everything else. It was such an uh, interesting time to be alive. And I imagine right there in in um, Washington D.C. and Virginia, you know, you were you were you know at the cusp of everything, and you yes. had to see it all. And so, uh, tell tell us a little bit more about what that was yeah, like. Yeah, so it's like one of your enduring. I, I have to, yeah, <laughs> the, the memories come, yeah. but I think I'm I'm going to layer it a little bit because. Okay. Um, my my dad and his family uh he's canadian oh. he's canadian and from eastern canada oh. and so there that's where he was raised my mom was raised in michigan uh-huh. uh they met up there and uh he went to duke actually uh for his graduate but oh, he sorry, he uh, so there's the canadian thing so we kind of come into the virginia culture um not having you know that kind of in you know background right 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 so looking at it even as a young child uh, my dad was very much hey let's let's go down and see you know the hippies down in you know the washington monument to the mall and see what they're doing and we'd go down there and as a young you know man i it it was fascinating so i gotta credit my father for allowing that exposure because literally where I grew up was 95% white, you know, suburbs, you know, and then you go 10 miles into the district and it's 95% black in a whole different world. Yeah. And so it, it was definitely something that was, uh, um, you know, you, you're very much aware. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was young, my father, you know, we go downtown to the district because they, you know, the stores were usually cheaper. Mm-hmm. And we went to a store and I, as a young, I think I was like 12 years old or something, or maybe younger. And I looked at, there were two water fountains and one said white and the other said colored. Yeah. And that was a, that was actually kind of common back then. And I looked at both of them and I went, which one should I drink out of? And I, and I asked my dad, I go, if I drink from the colored one, do I turn a color? What is, you know? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it was just like, oh, what? This is, yeah. Know. To a young kid, it doesn't even make any sense. No, at it doesn't all. make it, sense. It and it still doesn't. And no. uh, it, no. so, but that was just the reality then. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole Watergate thing uh, as well um, was very, very strong then. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my high school, um, Fairfax High School. Uh, it's the second oldest high school in in the DC area, and mm-hmm. in Fairfax, our nickname back then it's changed since. Uh, it's called the Rebels, and yeah. we had we had all the accoutrements of Fairfax Rebels. Mm-hmm. We had Johnny Reb as our mascot. We had the Confederate flag. Uh, we had you know all the blue and gray. The whole oh. everything you know was wow. was in that. Theme. We didn't think anything of it. Right. I mean, we really didn't. Right. And that was just the way it was. And but you know, in Virginia, as you know from North Carolina, you're surrounded by all these battlefields and yep. you know all the Civil War stuff. That that's just the way it was back then. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear Virginia has changed since. And my and I've been back to my high school, and we're now known as the Lions. 
The Lions. Okay, <laughs> much, much better, much better. There you go. Yeah, yeah you know, that was just part of it. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah, having having grown up, you know, in North Carolina, just uh, just a, a little ways away. Yeah, you know, I um, it's uh. You know, I I grew up with 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 seeing the the Confederate flag and and um and, and seeing it in in many places and um and you know I you know as a white kid I think it's it's a it's a little bit harder to to re- obviously a, a lot harder to to recognize that that symbol of hate and um you know for me I tell the story of um it wasn't until I was in graduate school where I really realized um, the power of it. You know, I, I was, oh, yeah. we were driving, um, we were, we were in a van and um, I was with a, you know, I was with a group of, of sport management graduate students. And, um, and one of my friends, Rob, um, uh, an, an African-American kid, um, we, we were getting out in South Carolina to all go um, and, and get drinks at this convenience store. Sure. And I looked back and Rob stayed in the van. Oh. And and yeah. I said, and I said, Rob, what what what's up, man? You're gonna come with us? And he was like, nah, man, I'm not getting out here. And I was like, why not? And he was like, they still fly the Confederate flag here in this state. Yeah. I'm not getting out. And I was like, wow. And and I could tell he had this look sure. on his face of of like real fear. And, um, and it was in that moment, it was in that moment, Jamie, where my privilege just all just washed over me, you know, to think that this, that this kid that I looked at as my equal and that I thought, you know, that uh, to see the fear on his face, just, just, and and, uh, that, and I had stood up before, don't get me wrong. I had stood up, but I'd never stood up, um, as vehemently as as I as I should have, and and it was that moment that that was like one of those profound impacts on me, where I realized, like, okay, as a white person, you might be able to think it's your heritage, but it's a symbol of hate to so many people out there, sure. and um and you know the the privilege that we have as white people, and we have to recognize that and. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, I've stood, I've stood pretty, I've stood pretty, pretty strongly and firmly against that symbol of hate, um, since then, you know, it's just, um, I think growing up in that environment for me is the same, Brian, because it, it really, uh, sent a resolve that this is really stupid, yeah. you know, and why, why are we living like this? Yeah. And at the same, I'll, I'll relay another story. Um, of course, I have Canadian relatives, and uh, one of my Canadian cousins, older than me, she uh, went to Peace Corps and worked in uh, worked in Africa. Mm-hmm. She met a, a a Nigerian that she fell in love with, mm-hmm. uh, and brought him back to the states uh, and wanted to wanted them to visit our family. Mm-hmm. Well, we knew living in <laughs> suburban white Virginia. Yeah. That this might not be a great thing. The neighbors might, you know, it was just we, it, it, we we embraced it, but we weren't sure what the neighborhood was going to do. Right. And so, unfortunately, 
we had them come through the back door and I'm like, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? Right. And, you know, but it was that kind of culture back then. And I'm so happy it's changed now. Yeah. Um, so it, you know, and he's just a, he was a fabulous man. I enjoyed talking with him and yeah. uh, learned a lot. Yeah. Uh, another little background story. I played a lot of basketball. I mean, I played yeah. basketball all my life and played high school ball. I thought I was good enough to play for tech. And of course, I learned better. <laughs> uh, you know, having played so much basketball, you always sought out good courts. Uh -huh. And usually the better players in the good courts were in, in the district in downtown. And that's where you really, you know, learned. Honed your and I, and yeah. I also, I just learned that, hey, we're all ball players out there. And if you play, you play. And, yeah. and of course, you know, there's a lot, there's trash talking. There, there always is. Of course. But, you know, that, and I, and I think that's, it was just important to me. Sports can be a very much a equalizer in that regard. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, um, I, I think back to my, um, to my, uh, athletic, um, my athletic experiences and, and yeah, you know, I grew up in a town that was about 50, uh, that was about 50% white, 50% black. And, and, you know, it was, it was through sports that we united, you know, and, um, sure. And, and got to know each other and got to know each other's cultures. And, um, and yeah, that was, that was pretty powerful, but, um, but yeah, like you said, I, I do want to reflect a little bit on what you said about interracial, um, relations. Um, I think a lot of people, particularly here in California, since we are such a melting pot, you know, you don't, you don't recognize that. Yeah, um, and, you don't yeah. get the, the yeah. California culture. They don't quite get what's what back East is all about. Yeah, like especially it's layering and and um, yeah. you know of course the opposite is true here. You know I came out here to yeah. and I didn't learn there's a Hispanic you know culture that is kind of suppressed and I went why why yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly but, um, yeah it, another quick story related to interracial and equality um, this is more current uh, when uh, Nora my wife uh, when we got married where do we want to go on our honeymoon? And we both agreed and it was top of our mind. We want to go to Memphis. Okay. Yeah. And it's because, you know, we both love blues music. We love uh, barbecue, good barbecue, uh -huh. but we also love getting to know the culture and history of a place. And yeah. we'd never been there before. Oh, and yeah. so we spent a week there and got to know the people, of course, the food and the music, uh, saw some amazing music, but Memphis is where, you know, of course, Martin Luther King was shot, you know, the, and the Lorraine motel and there, and going there was very powerful to me yeah. at the same time, the, probably the most surprising thing was going to Stax records. Um, oh yeah. Uh, there's sun records where Elvis and, you know, all those guys, uh, went through, but, and of course, we went to Graceland, but that wasn't high on our list. It was, but Graceland was another interesting uh, feature. But going back to our, you know, topic of interracial was that Stax Records, there was a local high school nearby called Booker T. Washington. And it didn't matter if you were white or black. You played music, you played music. And that was just the way it was. Right. And Stax Records nearby 
pulled so many amazing artists out of there. Oh, you know, I, that you know, Booker T and the MGs was really two white guys and two black guys, mm-hmm. and they hit it big. And and of course, their issues with travel in the South are documented. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, it was just fascinating. And so I, I was very, very tired. Both my wife and I felt Stax Records really told the story of Memphis. And then when Martin Luther King got shot, it things shifted. Yeah, uh, but. Memphis is a very interesting place, I felt. Yeah, yeah. I've got I've got a good friend who lives there. And um I've actually never been to Memphis. I need to go and visit him. And uh um but but and you just uh you just lit a little bit of a fire there. But um but yeah, what I was gonna say, you know, I'm a I'm a little bit younger than 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 you are, Jamie, but not by much. But but yeah, Can I mean, you tell my age? I'm, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell my age out there. Um okay. You know, I I know I look younger than what I am. And people ask, why are you retiring? You still, you know, you got stuff going on. Yeah. You're still, you know, you and I, you know, I was blown away by all the accolades and stuff and yeah. the students and um yeah. But I am 67 and I know age is a irrelative thing when it comes to your mind. Yeah. I uh, and and also how you take care of yourself as well. That's right. Um, but we also you know, there is this the, this timeline we have, yeah. and I just felt that was time. It's anyway, time. go ahead. It's time. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say that. I mean, you know, growing up in the in the South, I mean, I, I just think it's important for uh, especially our younger listeners to recognize that. You know, I mean, I'm 50. You just said you're 67, and and I remember very very vividly growing up in the South, like. Um, if um you know if i if i had brought or if my sister had brought home um uh someone uh who was you know who was not white um i i did not consider my parents to be racist um but you know when i when i look back and i think about those times that would not have been accepted at all and um and i remember growing up i remember having my parents talk to us about it and it's yeah. like God, you know, you just think that's not I, I hope that 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 our the students who are listening and the younger people who are listening will realize that that's not that long ago. That, no, it that, isn't. And, it and, isn't. We, it's my lifetime, you know, right. it's what I grew up with. Um, right. and, and I'm fortunate like you that the way we were raised in the South, you know, was to be open minded and and to embrace diversity and to embrace, you know, embrace everyone mm-hmm. and um you know and and just appreciate everybody's journey yeah uh, and i think that's carried with me for a long time yeah yeah well well i i can't i can't say that i was jamie but um but i uh luckily i had some people who were um who were very uh instrumental in my life who have have um y- you know helped me to to be become the 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 open-minded person that I am today um but I you know I look back and I go oh, I go wow you know that's not that long ago that um and, and so as much as we as m- much as we want to keep um, pushing and fighting um, for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and, and justice. Um, 
you know, we have come, we have come, uh, I feel like we've come a, a pretty good ways. We've still got a long ways to go, but, um, uh, I appreciate you bringing up some of those issues. Um, uh, uh, let me, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. going to inject one more story on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Travel to me is another great equalizer. One hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I was again fortunate as a uh, young person that we traveled, and of course, <laughs> a lot of times it was in the big 1969 Chevy Impala station wagon. Right, right. You know, going up family to, truckster. <laughs> yeah, going up to Canada, you know, and then gone down to Florida, uh, but uh, up in Canada. Uh, Eastern Canada is very interesting from um, that kind of discrimination point of view, mm-hmm. because in Canada, especially Eastern Canada, and I think it's still, it pretty much still exists. There's this French English bias. Oh, divide. Yeah. yeah. And so that. if you call it, uh-huh. you know, if you called a French Canadian person, and I even hesitate to say it, a frog, okay, it's as bad as the N- N-word. Oh, oh, right. And, yeah. And and so having gone up there many times, and I still love to go to Eastern Canada. It's gorgeous. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, the fires are just terrible now. Right. But there, discrimination happens ev- everywhere, unfortunately. And unfortunately. so we get so caught up in the, sometimes in the, the black-white issue. And then you come to California with the Hispanic issue. It's mm-hmm. very cultural wherever you are globally. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I and I think it's important to kind of realize that, and that helps expand your mind a little bit about you know how silly it is, basically. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, like you said. Yeah, and um, I, you know, I know that that um that that Dr. Rue and and um and the other professors who who teach tourism um uh you know that that awareness that that you get through travel and 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 really opens your mind to realize um like you said how silly and ridiculous discrimination yeah. is at all levels and um and you know you you meet people um when you travel all over the world and you just realize that we have so much more in common than we do um uh, that than than the things that divide us and um and so that's that's really important. So now let's get into Jamie. Let's get into your career and talk about. Um, oh sure, that's a good segue. So into, I, I will. Um, yeah. So the big question is, how'd you get here from Virginia? And that's a yeah. that's another super story. But yeah, tell um, us. Before I do that, on a career side, I went to Virginia Tech uh, when I was a young man. I I wanted to be an architect. Uh, I was very much influenced by. Uh, Aero Saarinen, who designed and built uh, um, the Dulles Airport in Northern Virginia, uh, and also the St. Louis Arch uh, TWA terminal up in, in very much a, you know, just incredible pieces of architecture. And I still love design architecture. Uh-huh. Uh, so I went to school down at Virginia Tech, and I couldn't get into architecture, but I went to engineering and I just hated it. Oh, and yeah. The culture down there, I just... It, was, it just blew me away, but I, I, I'd always heard about Cal Poly and their school of architecture. Mm-hmm. And so being an out-of-state resident, I thought, okay, I'm going to take a break here. I would, Meanwhile, I was uh, waiting tables at um, this uh, organization called Chesapeake Bay Seafood House. 
Okay. And, and Chesapeake Bay Seafood House is a fascinating model. Yeah. It was basically all you can eat. I mean, you, huh. you <laughs> king crabs, steamed like shrimp. a lot of places in the south, right? <laughs> Just, you know, hush puppies, you name it. Just oh, frog legs. Oh Everything, man, I put too, I put away too many hush puppies in my day. Jay. But it was an all you can eat kind of, and it was very high paced, and it was a very popular chain. Yeah, uh, especially in that region. And so uh, they were opening up a chain in um, Philadelphia, mm -hmm. and I was selected to go up to Philadelphia to help train and open that restaurant. Mm. And that was my early taste of, you know, doing that training and. And I, I learned that I was really good at that as well as uh, the people aspect of hospitality. Okay, yeah. And so, yeah, I did some drafting. I was a very good draftsman uh, and all that. But at the same, same time, when you're, you know, you're in a drafting, you know, you're just, I'm a people person. Right. So I kind of learned. But anyway, right. I, I went, okay. Went to my parents. I said, I'm going to move to California, never been to San Luis Obispo in my life, didn't know a soul, <laughs> and I'm going to move out there, and I'm going to go to school at Cal Poly uh -huh. and apply for architecture. Uh -huh. All right. My parents, bless them, you know, went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I planned it out. I got a subscription to the uh, Tribune. Our local newspaper had uh -huh. it sent to my house in Fairfax, Virginia. Yeah. So I got a bead on what was going on. And also I found some businesses I could apply to, you know, maybe wait tables or whatever. Yeah. And so I did that. And I've always been a classic Mustang uh, fan. I, I'm on my third Mustang now. Okay. Uh, but at that time I had a 66 uh, Mustang and I, Love that car. So I wanted to bring that with me. And so I got a U-Haul truck, had a friend with me. She was a friend girl, I call her, not a girlfriend. Okay. And, uh, and so she had relatives up in San Jose. She wanted to move back there. So great. So she went with me. Uh -huh. And so loaded up the truck and moved to San Luis. Nice. Basically. Nice. Uh, we loaded up the truck and had the Mustang on a tow bar behind us and uh -huh. we set out wow and we did and mind you for all the viewers out there no credit card um no cell phone there were no cell phones back right then. right um you know this is you know saving money and the grace of god basically yeah and so it did we did it in three 24-hour drives uh, oh, you did? Nice. Nice. We, we blasted down from Northern Virginia to New Orleans. That was the, we didn't, we felt, well, we didn't need to stop. Let's yeah. go to New Orleans. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we stopped New Orleans. That's <laughs> it. And so. New Orleans. And that was, uh, you know, this is, uh, well, this is late seventies now. This is 80. And um, uh, so in New Orleans, we, <laughs> we spent, Two or three days there. I was going to say, you didn't just spend a night. You spent no, 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 no. Matter of <laughs> fact, we went to jazz clubs and nice. I think we saw Louis Armstrong play, you know, and uh, nice. it was awesome, you know, and, and we could camp out in the truck. And yeah. You know, and so then the next was a 24 hour drive from New Orleans to El Paso. Ah. 
holy moly, the length of Texas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a long drive. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> El Paso was cool because my uncle, uh, my dad's brother, uh, Canadian liaison to the Canadian forces okay. stationed and then family in El Paso. Oh, cool. So he housed us for a couple of days. We visited Juarez, Mexico and uh, all that. And then then El Paso to San Luis Obispo. And I'll never forget it to this day. Because I'm going, okay, it's reality time, you know. Here we go. Here comes San Luis Obispo. Don't know anybody. Have never been here. Right. And it was a 20-hour drive, <laughs> a little less. Yeah. And uh, I remember coming into it. I had a reservation at the El Toro Motel, and I don't think it exists anymore. And I had a little kitchenette, so we could station there uh-huh. while my friend... You know, her family came and got her to San Jose. Uh And then that's where I started, you know, my adventure here. My parents would check on me. Of course, they came out. They said, well, give him seven months. He'll be back. Uh (laughs) And here I am to stay. Here you are today. Yeah. And so it really started. My first job, basically, um, was at uh, where KSBY Studios is now. Okay. It was a restaurant uh, called Hobnob, and it was owned by uh, Jay Stream, who had Arabian Horses, and Wayne Newton. Wayne Newton owned it, too. Oh. And um, so that's where it started. Uh, Cal Poly, I had to go to Cuesta to kind of make it happen. Okay. And then, uh, and then I finally got my step into Cal Poly. Architecture was impacted. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I... Went to business school. You went into business, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So that that's how it started. And during this time, I was introduced to who is now my mentor and uh and great friend, Larry Shepnick. Uh he owned at the time the San Luis Bay Inn mm-hmm. in Avila Beach. And San Luis Bay Inn at that time was a five-star full service hotel. Mm-hmm. Um it is it, Tableside cooking, you know, the whole, you know, nine yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where celebrities went. Uh, we owned and operated the golf course. We did tennis and everything, all the recreational. So we had the valve, we had the, you know, the van that goes to the airport and everything else. And right. uh, it was definitely a, a, a great experience. So much so, the culture was so good that we, still have San Luis Bay Inn reunions. And whenever one of us come together, it's like old high school reunion. It, 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 it was that good of a culture and a great hotel. This is before Embassy Suites. This is before the Cliffs. This is before. Right. And it was an, an amazing place from a hospitality education point of view because I worked every department. Right. I started out, you know, bussing tables and work my way up and uh i became bell captain and that was one of the best jobs <laughs> I, bet. I could be i was everywhere yeah uh and there's a status to that bell and captain. there is a status yeah, there, yeah. and i had my team you know and i oversaw the recreational aspects uh-huh. uh everything and uh, and the van services and 
yeah, it was a it was a very cool job, very cool job. And then you know, awesome. I I was tagged from there to you know start you know working hotels, and so my first hotel that I opened from the ground because I've opened four hotels in this county from the ground up. I was going to say, yeah, tell us about those experiences, because opening a hotel is like, uh, you know, we've talked on this podcast before, like opening any building is uh, is like a, a check in your in your in your, uh, you know, it just it just raises you. It raises your resume up to the top of the heap. Right. Because you're able right. to say that's a different experience that a lot of people don't get to do. So yeah. talk to us about that. What was that like? Four different I, I, you know, the thing is, people ask me about that, and I liken it to, I like theater work too. I've done theater work, yeah. uh, which explains why I, I, I am the way I am. Uh-huh. Uh But I liken it to theater work because you're, you're creating all the props, you're getting all the pieces together, you're getting all the cast members, right? And finally, there's opening day. So, but before then. You're looking. You're working with contractors. You're looking at plans, and thank goodness I had the architecture background that really came into play really with that. Right. That I could look at them and I could speak knowledgeably and go, you know, I'm an operational point of view. You might want to think about this, and I've changed plans because of that to make it easier on housekeepers or to make it easier, you know, on on the flow of business and. Uh, and, you know, walking the dirt and looking at the framing and everything else that goes into play. Uh, very enjoyable. Uh, at the same time, you're also hiring a team. And so there's the people aspect and how we all work together. Um, I, and so I'm very big on developing culture. Uh, one of my favorite TV shows, I guess, right? And, you know, and I'm just sad that it ended. Uh, it's Ted Lasso. No, right. Yeah. And I, I'm very much in that vein of, you know, I, and I think this is where my mentoring, this training, this coaching thing of, uh, that I love to do mm-hmm. came into play is that I care about my people. And if you care about your people, they're going to care about the guests and in turn it, it takes care of the bottom line. And that's the philosophy of Marriott. Yeah. Which, you know, so my first hotel I opened um, was cottage in by the sea. Mm. Um, kind of a cute, you know, English countryside, you know, it's on the, on the water, you know, next to Seacrest actually. Yeah. Yep. And that was, that was very interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Time. yeah. And from there, um, I, my second hotel, uh, I moved up in the ranks. I became an area manager for Pacifica hotels right? and also was tagged to be on the train, be a, a, on the training department. I became a trainer. So uh, at that time, Pacifica had several hotels up and down California. And I, Along with another person, we we went to different hotels and and did you know a variety of different types of training. Training them on how to do it, right? So okay. that's kind of where I I you know, as we call it stand up. I I got cut my you know teeth on doing that. Right, right. And I I I found I enjoyed it. At the same time, I love you know developing the culture. Yeah. 
So my second hotel I opened was Avila Village Inn, a cute little place, uh, you know, on the Bob Jones uh, Trail mm -hmm. uh, uh, near the athletic club there. Mm -hmm. And great little property, great little property. Yeah. Now, that was great. And then all of a sudden, I'm overseeing a bunch of hotels and uh, I was tagged to, I got a call to leave Pacifica. They, an owner knew about me and wanted to open up the first Marriott product in the county. All right. And that was just too good to pass up. So I opened up the courtyard by Marriott in San Luis Obispo. Yeah. And that was an amazing experience. This was during the recession of 2007. Right. But I'm also going to go back. Um, Cuesta College reached out to those of us in the industry and said, we're developing a hospitality program at Cuesta. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be based upon what Santa Barbara City College is doing. Yeah. And the whole premise is when a student takes a certain course, whether it be sales and marketing, housekeeping, front desk, whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. not only do they get credit towards their graduation, but they also get a certificate that says they completed this wow. from the American Hotel Lodging Association. Right. which they could in turn use to help their resume to help move them up the ladder. Uh, and, we, and so developing that curriculum uh, was, was really kind of a cool experience for me. And then, hey, we've got the curriculum. Who's going to teach it? I said, sure. <laughs> so while I'm doing hotels, while I'm opening hotels, I'm teaching at Cuesta. Um, you know, hospitality courses. And I am so proud to this day, Brian, that I've got students from those days back in Cuesta that are now industry leaders. I highlight one of them. That's My, awesome. Michael Womble. I don't know if you know him. I don't he, know. Uh, he was the, uh, he worked with Chuck Davison and Visit SoCal. Uh, before the pandemic, he was the international group tour guy. And um, then after when pandemic happened and Chuck had to lay off a bunch of people, uh, Michael uh, became, he is now executive director of Visit Morro Bay. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, we just did the podcast with uh, uh, Mariana Garcia, who was one of their interns at Visit Morro Bay. Okay. Yeah. I just saw that. Very cool. So, and he's one of my past students from Cuesta. Right. All, he also actually was my, my director of sales at Seacrest when I GM there. Okay. Um, so I hopefully you're getting a better picture of, you know, where, where I've come from and how the career's moved. Yeah. 100%. And, yeah. 100%. And I bet you know, um, so you were, that was in, that was business education at, at Cuesta, right? And yep. um, so I bet, do you know my friend Don Norton? Was Don yep. there at the time? Mm, I don't recognize uh, him. Uh, oh, okay. Um, I, I played golf with him. So I thought, yeah, I thought you might recognize <laughs> that name because we, we, we talked earlier about uh, golf. Yeah. Golf. Yeah. So and that's, that's a small county too. So. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. And so, and, and so let's, uh, let's move into Jamie, um, your, uh, your, your teaching here at Cal Poly, you know, so sure. um, I've needled you a little bit uh, about how, you know, now that you've retired that, that, um, 
that that maybe some of the other uh, some other uh, faculty can can get to be more popular. Um, because, uh, <laughs> whenever we introduce whenever we introduce Jamie at any event that we have, the students who are in the crowd just cheer and yell and uh, and uh, and uh, so I was needling Jamie about uh, about how maybe some of us uh, some of the rest of us will will get louder applause now. But um, I do want to touch on I do want to touch on that because I think that's um I think that's a key element is what you talked about the culture you know um I imagine that you establish in your classrooms that same type of culture that you were trying to establish um in your hospitality career and um um, can you talk to us a little bit about what that's been like and and um and uh, you know what it's been like for you to connect with this latest, this 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 next generation of, sure. of students. Yeah, yeah. Um, first off, I want to uh, give a big thank you uh, to you know I I, I have to start with uh, Dr. Hendricks. Um, yeah. He was the one that came out. I was GMing at Seacrest. He came out and said, "Hey, I've got a course. I, you know." If you're interested, I know you taught at Cuesta, but you might be interested. And, and that's how it humbly started. Um, and I, I also have to give a big thank you to Kathy Daniels uh, in the office. She is definitely the glue, the support, the great smile whenever I come in. And I, and you know, and I just have to thank her immensely. I thank all of you faculty. Um, You've all been so supportive because I'm, you know, the academia world is different than the corporate world or the business world. And it's, you know, the nine years I've been with you all, it's, you know, the navigation of that has been a learning experience for me. So I thank you guys for that experience, too. Um, I also have to thank the students. Um, I've just been honored by all their well wishes and uh, humbled. Yeah. Um, it's it's not about me, it's about them. You know, I know I get the, you know, I was just blown away by the adulation and I know, you know, you and I have kidded about it and uh, I, you know, the popularity and all it's, it's no, it's it's about them. I do, I do it all for them. Yeah. I, I, I care about each and every one of them. And I think that's, basically you know what develops and i started from basically the first day of class yeah and also i like to as you know i like to bring an enthusiasm and excitement uh i start out things pretty pretty you know and a strong note in other words i i make it clear of expectations students really like to know structure and what what's expected yeah and but they also want to know that you care about them mm-hmm. and so i make it a point to get to know each one of them as best as i can and as you know that's not always easy to do wow. um but it helps from the very beginning yeah. uh and one part of that enthusiasm I, i'll give you an example i i um i just recently uh did uh, dr lynn's uh RPTA 416 and uh, data analytics. Mm-hmm. You know, data analytics, <laughs> it's not the most 
exciting <laughs> course, you know. Right. right. Uh, you know, those of us that like numbers and all that, I I do. I dig it. Right. My graduate thesis was on the importance of data analytics to students. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Lynn and I, uh, you know, Dr. Hendricks sent us to be certified in hospitality industry analytics. And so, you know, I taught the very first one. And from that very first one, uh, I developed this thing in the beginning of the class, because I always like to start out with something in the beginning of the class. Um, this kind of set the tone, maybe something that's going to be a grabber. And I started out with stat of the day. Yeah. Now, if you know our friend uh, Dan Patrick from uh, ESPN, that's where stat of the day comes from. Oh, okay. And so Dan Patrick, had, you know, on his radio show, uh, does this stat of the day. And there's this hard rock kind of song that accompanies it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Since that. then, uh, there have been variations. Uh, Will Farrell has done his version. Uh, Melissa Etheridge has done her version. You know, so the stat of the day has become this thing. So I, you know, I acknowledge Dan Patrick and say, hey, I, I, this is stat of the day. So I play this song. Uh -huh. Well, <laughs> RPTA 416, we've been in the, the, the library room, uh, uh -huh. you know, that one that's, you know, 11135B or whatever it's called. Yeah. And you can close the door, but still. So I do the stat of the day and you can tell in the rest of the library what what's what going the on. heck is going and, on in there? Yeah. And I, I asked because um, you know, there's a data guy, uh, Russ White, and I have to give a big shout out to Russ White. Um, oh, yeah, I know Russ. Yeah. Yeah. Russ is a cool guy. And I said, Russ, am I blowing it with the stat of the day? Because he goes, I thought I heard some rock music coming out of that room. <laughs> <laughs> but I would not only do the stat, that song, but I'd accompany it with a stat of the day that's relative what you know what we're looking at and teaching at the time. Yeah. And that's kind of the the, the way I flow and I, I kind of bring that energy into into the classroom. And I think the students appreciate that, yeah. especially at six o'clock in a winter quarter when it's dark and cold and rainy and yeah. Uh, do I have to be here for six o'clock data analytics, you know? <laughs> right, right. Well I may I try to make an environment where they want to come right uh right. and so yeah is that that's uh, kind of the how how I, i've developed a culture and i and uh, you know reading from the students they appreciate that yeah i love it and um and it's obvious that it's obvious they love you and 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 love what you bring to the classroom jamie and um and you know i i think what you said that that culture and that 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 culture of caring more than anything else you know i i i think for me that um coming out of the pandemic um j just realizing that showing showing people you care and showing people that you have empathy huh. Um, you know, we, we needed that pre pandemic also, but I think, uh, the pandemic, um, helped some of us to realize, um, that maybe that matters more than anything else. Right. And, well, uh, the, you know, uh, during the pan, okay. During the pandemic, when we were zoom teaching, yeah. uh, 
you know, we have the choice of doing synchronous, asynchronous, whatever a case may be, recording, et cetera. Yeah. And my style, because of the way I want to develop a culture, is I'm doing the class. If it's six o'clock, we're live, we're doing it then. I'm mm-hmm. not recording. Mm-hmm. And and so I tried to do the class Zoom wise. It's just the same way that I would be in person. Mm-hmm. Um now during the pandemic, as you know, things there's some things that happened. Yeah. I'm talking about uh, you know, January 6th, uh the Black Lives Matter yeah. and and all the things that went with it. Mm-hmm. Um and those are things that were touching a lot of our students. Yeah. Uh, and and so the question is, do you bring that up? Yeah. And you know, I remember looking at January 6th, and then I had to step on Zoom to teach a class. Yeah. And I'm going, okay, let's talk about it, you know. And yeah. and I I bring it out as a, you know, how do you feel about this? You know, in other words. I, I want to acknowledge it. I don't want to linger on it, but at the same time, I I, I want to acknowledge that these things happen because because important. you can't just gloss over it. it. It it's it's the thing that occurs. Yeah. Uh, you know, right or wrong, whatever, no matter the feeling, it's just it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think it's important to acknowledge that, especially with pandemic. Now, post pandemic is an, another reality. Yeah. Um, our students, especially the ones that are going through right now, they've spent about half of their college career in in Zoom class, basically. Yeah. And again, I acknowledge that. I go, you've missed out, mm-hmm. you know, because college is not just, you know, this class for an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah. It's way more than that. It's you developing friends, social activities, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I'm and I I'm so sorry you've missed out on a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that acknowledgement helps, you yeah. know, and I, I think it's it's important to put that all in perspective. Right. At the same time, get our learning objectives. Exactly. Through. Exactly. Well, Jamie, let's uh, let's end on this note. Let's end with you telling us what's next for Jamie Wallace. Uh, what are what are you what are you uh, what so, are you excited about with retirement? Are you become Are you going to join the Champions Tour in golf? Or are you going <laughs> to no, so for me, the world with your sailboat? What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I'm I'm transitioned. I I still feel like I have a lot to give. Yeah. Um, I still hold a business license for my hospitality consulting business, yeah. which I do, which I've done. And so if there is when there is the opportunity, I will do that for trainings or consulting. I've also made it clear to, you know, you guys in EIM mm-hmm. that I'll be more than happy to guest speak. I'll be more than happy to consult on any kind of curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, if it gets down to it, maybe I'll dust off and I'll teach once in a while. But, okay. you know, my focus now really, and same time, my tourism side, mm-hmm. I'm still uh, chair of the board of directors for uh, Visit Los Osos. Uh-huh. I've been involved with destination management organizations for 40 years now. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a past president of, vis- you know, Visit Slocal. I'm, I, you know, I've, 
I've been on several boards and uh, right. uh, and I enjoy it. I enjoy that, you know, the tourism field. Right. So I, I see myself continuing that. Uh, I see myself continuing to consult. Now, at the same time, one of my students, I have to give a shout out to Melissa Hornung. She, her father, I, she's interning uh, with Four Seasons uh, Beverly Hills Hotel. Okay. okay. And so I have a, I had a book. I gave her a book uh, about Four Seasons. And the history of Four Seasons is quite fascinating on the hospitality side. Right. And so in turn, she, her father recommended a book for me. And it's called The Joy of Not Working. Uh-huh. Uh, by Ernie Zelinsky. And I've gone through three chapters and I'm just digging it. Uh, it's a whole mindset of, you know, what do we do now? What's the joy of not working? Mm-hmm. And for me, that joy really means focusing on my family too. Um, right. <clears throat> always has been important. Um, I've been very fortunate to have raised a family in the San Luis Obispo County. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I, my mom lives here. She's, bless her heart, she'll be 98 this September, still going strong. Oh, awesome. awesome. Yeah, so, uh, and we, and my my wife and my mom and I, we do our aunt, our weekly get in my Mustang convertible and cruise around. So if you see, nice. um, you see the three of us in a white yeah. convertible Mustang uh, with a stroller out the back on a Saturday afternoon. Give them a wave. There you go. I love it. I love uh, it. I'm a big traveler. Uh, my sister uh, lives in the UK. She is a PhD uh, and her husband is as well, very much into uh, the genetics field. This is another in- interesting story, mm-hmm. very much in the human genome realm. Uh, and they live in London. Oh, so cool. this September, um, Nora and I are going to uh, the UK. We're going to spend some time in London. Nice. And then we're going to spend our wedding anniversary in Paris. Uh, take the channel over and do that. Nice. Uh, so never been to Paris, so looking forward to that. I bet. Uh, my other love uh, is music. I've referenced that. I am a uh, frustrated drummer. I've um, <laughs> played fro- I've played at Frog and Peach before. Yeah. Uh, I I you know I I I love drumming. I'm a, nice. I just got done listening to Phil Collins do his in the air tonight he's singing and okay okay uh so i love drumming i'm gonna get going on that one of my uh students race thompson big shout out to him yeah he said don't ever give up drumming so i'm not going to don't do it yeah i'm also big on uh bicycling e-bikes uh i have a fat tire e-bike uh that i i think i've got over close to four thousand miles on it in two years nice so that's that's one of my loves. Um, so yeah, and then so I I got a lot to do. Embrace the art of not working. I love it. I love it. Well, Jamie, um, I I cannot thank you enough. I really appreciate you taking the time on on this your your last official day and. Hey. You know, you know we, never we, say never, right? That's right. That's right. And um, and but we we cannot thank you enough. You've just been such a uh, you know, you've left an indelible mark on our program, as I said. Um, and uh, you know, we we cannot thank you enough, and just uh, wish you all the best. And um, and thank I, you to I, you. You know, you you bring all these to light, and I and I appreciate you reaching out to me. Thank you. Of course, me. of course. And um, 
just uh, want to thank you for all your time. And, uh, and, and again, don't be a stranger. We'll give you a wave. Uh, <laughs> we'll give you a wave when we see you in the uh, Mustang. All right. Thank all right. You, Jamie. Thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Thank you.